0: Now the lounge is full, of farmers, for the 7.30 drop. Teammates all left before they had to buy a round. When they Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast, and we are in the middle of world championship season. We're between world championships. We just saw... Switzerland defeats Sweden in really an amazing gold medal game at the Women's Worlds. Hopefully you listened to our Women's Worlds uh, recap. We got really in-depth on what the PACC sending three teams to the playoffs meant for the growth of the sport and kind of did a rundown on... Uh, every team. And we're about to do that again with a men's preview. And joining me from Southampton, England, a member of the 2019 English Mixed Championship team is Dr. Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, how are you today?
1: Good. It's a nice sunny day. like uh, It's spring. So yes, yeah. curling's almost finished.
0: I know. Yeah, it means... Uh, it means I can actually, it means I really don't need to go outside because my head blew up over the weekend um, because it is spring. And I was allergic to all the mold spores because of all the rain that we had the last couple months. And now uh, the same thing's happening with the pollen. So yeah, good times. I, I did not do you have ever, a- uh,
1: Do you ever irrigate? Do you get like one of those irrigation things like rinse out your nasal cavities
0: or no? Like the neti pot? No, I'm scared to yeah. use the neti. So I saw an episode of House once where someone almost died because of a fungus that they got from using the neti pot. So that has, <laughs> that has scared me from using a uh, a neti pot. Um, but yeah, I did not have allergies until I moved to Richmond, Virginia, but now uh, here we are. All right. So it's yep. there's a lot of pollen in Virginia is what you're telling me pollen mold tree spores you name it uh richmond virginia has it um it's a combination of being in the mid atlantic being near the ocean and being near the james river i think the confluence of all that uh is kind of yeah kind of leads to richmond being basically the pollen capital of North America. It sounds like like everyone I talked to that I say, I didn't have allergies until I moved to Richmond have told me, Oh yeah, I hear that all the time.
1: <laughs> you're not, you're not doing wonders for the Richmond tourist bureau here.
0: Richmond right. is a wonder, <laughs> Richmond is a wonderful city, particularly if you like history and beer, uh, Richmond's a great city because um, we have a lot of both of those things. Um, you know, tourism, there's not like the big tourist destinations that you have. You know, we've got Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, which is about an hour away. That's like the big thing that's nearby. But in terms of living here, man, it's awesome. Like there's no traffic. The people are pretty nice. Um, you know, the cost of living is normal. Like it's a pretty great place to live. Um, but in terms of tourism, you know, there's a few things. We've got uh, you know, we've got history, we've got like 30 breweries in what is a relatively small city in North America. We've got a pretty good amusement park an hour down the road. We've got a NASCAR track that has two races a year. I mean, it's a pretty cool place to live. All right. Do you have a bond spiel? Um, we don't have a bond spiel. Uh, they, so they used to do before I moved here, they did an overnight bond spiel. like they would fit an entire bond spiel into 24 hours. and you would basically just be at the rink for overnight. like you you could have a draw at three in the morning. Um, but they they couldn't they couldn't afford to do that at the rink that we curl at regularly. They did it at a like this apparently pristine rink that was built like an hour north of here. So it's basically between Richmond and uh, Washington, D.C. So it kind of attracted teams from D.C. as well. Uh, So they would basically just truck the rocks up there, play the bond spiel because it was cheap to rent the ice there um, just in a quick 24-hour period. And then um, that was it. So, But they haven't done that bond spiel in a while.
1: Hmm. All right. So should we talk about the Worlds?
0: Yeah. Maybe some, someday I will win Powerball and I'll build us a dedicated curling facility and then we'll have like three bond spiels a year in Richmond. So yeah, let's talk about the men's worlds, which is kind of a top-heavy field in my opinion. Um, when we previewed the women's worlds, Jonathan, I said that I was kind of looking forward to that tournament more than the men's. And the reason for that is this is kind of a traditionally top-heavy event uh, since 1992, Canada, Sweden, and Scotland have won all of these tournaments except for one. And that one was the recently retired Tomas Olsrud in 2014. Uh, on top of that, Scotland has not won since 2009. In total, six countries have won the World Men's Curling Championship. Six, ever. Uh and the last first, you know, Jonathan, I'm a big college football fan. And one of the things about college football is it's always the same teams kind of at the top. The last team to win their first college football championship was Florida in 1996, which was a long time ago. It feels like forever ago. Uh, it's even worse in curling. The last team to win their first men's curling world championship was norway in 1979 and you compare that to the women's side where nine countries have won the women's worlds um yeah so it's a top heavy field and i feel that it's the same way again
1: i I kind of would agree i think um yeah the women's we, we we just saw kind of this breakout year for asian curling i Don't anticipate. I I do think the Asian teams will kind of post results, but I don't anticipate a a similar kind of event, if you will. So uh, it's pretty clear who there's basically a set of slam teams, and there's a bunch of teams that are good, but kind of not quite slam level or not quite qualifying for slams yet. I think that, to my mind, is kind of the clear demarcator here in terms of um,
0: who we're going to see on the podium come Sunday. And honestly, that's what we're really waiting for the men's side is for the Pacific Asia region to start producing teams that can make the playoffs and get to the podium at men's worlds. Because no Pacific Asia team has won a medal yet um, at at men's worlds. Um, the game has... Definitely grown on the women's side. Uh, in fact, now you're seeing depth on the women's side in all three in the you know the big three Pacific Asia countries: uh, China, Korea, and uh, Japan. You know they don't just have good teams at the top; they have depth. And on the men's side, it's just not there yet. Not even in terms of depth. But you know we we there's one good Pacific Asia team. I think that we'll talk about here in a minute, but you know, the, the teams aren't the top teams and there's not really much behind them. Yeah. So should we just kind of dive in here or. Yeah. And, uh, we'll do it the same way that we did the women's preview. We will go reverse order of merit, uh, coming into this game, coming into this tournament. Uh, and Jonathan, we will start with team Germany. Um, different skip this year for Team Germany, although it's the same skip that we saw at the European Championships. Uh, this is Team Mark Musketevitz. Um It's his second world championship. It's his first as a skip. He skipped the team at Euros where they finished fourth, losing in the bronze medal game to Joel Ratornas. Um, this is, a, this is uh, Mark Musketevitz's first year out of junior um, he represented Germany at uh, World Juniors before. Uh, his third is Sixten Totzik, who is still junior eligible. You may be able to, I, I don't know if you've seen him at any of the junior tournaments that you've coached at. Maybe you can give us some insight on him. Uh, but he skipped Germany to seventh at this year's uh, World Juniors. This team includes a lead that some listeners may have heard of before. It's uh, Ryan Sherard, who was a Canadian junior champ in 2004 out of New Brunswick. Uh, in fact, Ryan Sherrard last year at the World uh, Men's Championship in Las Vegas wound up skipping a game because this team really struggled and started juggling its lineup. And Sherrard uh, skipped one of their games last year in Vegas.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think you know they had a very good showing at Euros this year, but the best showing by a German team for a while when they finished fourth. So they're certainly capable of posting good results, but they're kind of kind of hot and cold. They they're not posting a lot of results or getting a lot of points on tour. So um, they qualified through the Euros, but they're kind of the bottom of the table when you go off order of merit points. So, and I think you know they may not finish bottom of the table, but to my mind, the kind of first four teams we're going to talk about are kind of in the lower tranche so they're kind of like the long shots. I'd be kind of surprised if any of them were contending for playoff spots come the end of the week.
0: Yeah. And this is a situation where Germany's definitely looking to the future. They've got a younger, uh, back-end players with Metskatavitz and Totzik. Um, and they've, they've them with some more veteran players that have been to worlds before with Sherrard and uh, their second uh, Daniel Neuner. Um, So this is, they're, they're definitely taking the long view um, and they have to be happy with finishing fourth at Euros. Yeah.
1: That's, that's a really good result. Um, And yeah, I think they're like the German, the German program is kind of trying to build and trying to get, get back to the Olympics. They were in the Olympics kind of two cycles ago. Uh, But that was kind of with more of a veteran team. So they've kind of done a youth movement, it looks like, in the German Curling Association. So uh, this is kind of definitely part of that project. But I, I just don't see them kind of doing much here and kind of over the course of the week. They finished bottom of the table last year. And I think they'll be kind of, you know, struggling towards the bottom of the table again this year.
0: So another young team, this is Team Norway, and surprisingly, this is not Stefan Walstad This is not Tomas Olsrud. Uh, representing Team Norway, uh, Magnus Ramsfell. So this is a team that is junior eligible. In fact, they were Team Norway at World Juniors. Uh, so far this year for this team, they finished fourth at World Juniors. They actually won gold at the Winter Universiade, which was just uh, played a couple of weeks ago in Siberia. They on tour. They haven't really been in North America, but they've played in some of those top uh, European events. They went one and three at Perth. They went three and three at Basel. Uh, their best win this year. They they did beat Ross Patterson at Basel, so they've got one win against a decent senior men's team this season, but, you know, mostly, you know, kind of came out of nowhere to win the Norwegian championship. And it's a, it's a younger team that has a bright future.
1: Yeah. They're kind of part of the, we actually, actually played against them. Uh Team Slugben did at uh, the EJCT Brayhead event. I'd say they're a good, they're still kind of part of the junior program. I'm not sure if they aged out after this year, but They're definitely one of the two young teams, the Norwegian curling associations kind of putting its um, its investment into. Uh, We had a good chat with them after the game. I guess one of the things they said was quite interesting is actually there's not a lot of depth on the competitive um, side of the field in Norway. It's basically been the Ulster team for years and – there really aren't that many other teams that even at the junior level, there's basically three junior men's teams kind of competing for it, but they're a very strong team in the junior circuit kind of posting uh really good results there. And they, they're kind of starting to kind of pull off the wins against the adult teams too, including kind of upsetting the Ulster team and the the Norwegian national playdown. So I think again, a team for the future, they're not, I'd, I'd be surprised if they are kind of making the medal round uh, this week, but um, definitely, you know Norway is always going to be a competitive team on the world stage, and so uh, this might be kind of their first event at, at this level, but a chance for them to kind of gain experience, and perhaps by the end of the the quad, Norway is qualifying for the Olympics, and uh, they're
0: the representatives are kind of replacing the Olsrud rink. So up next is Team Russia. This is a team that. On the women's side, you usually see them towards the top of the table, and that is not definitely not the case on the men's side. Uh, just for whatever reason, um, women's curling in Russia, uh, just like we've seen in the Pacific Asia region, it's grown at a much higher rate than than on the men's side. Uh, and this team will be skipped by Sergey Glukov. Last year at Worlds, he was the third for Alexey Timofev, and they kind of split up the teams. And this year, Glukov uh, beat Alexey Timofev to qualify for this year's Worlds. Um, this team, they finished first at the Red Square Classic, although that's an outdoor event, so you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. Um, they have they represented Russia at both of those events that they had in China this year that were kind of, I don't know, one-off events where they brought in teams from around the world and brought them in as, you know, Team Russia, Team Canada, Team USA. Um, And I think we're going to see that throughout this quad as China tries to get its curlers ready for the Olympics in Beijing. You know, these these international level events where they're trying to bring in top level curlers. So they, they went to both of them as team Russia. They finished uh, fourth at the Qinghai curling elite, and they finished first at the China open, which was toward the beginning of the year. Um, So again, that's another event. You can kind of take it with a grain of salt. Most of these teams, it was their first event on tour. Um, but at that event, they beat Tomas Ulsrud, they beat Brad Gushu. I believe it was Brad Gushu's first event of the year when they played at the, the China Open in October. Um, but they did win that event, um, you know, we'll see how they do in this event. The one thing, uh, about Sergei Glukov, um, he's the guy with, uh, the long, uh, blonde locks. So I bet that gets some, some discussion, uh, during the <laughs> event this week. It's
1: bit, I mean, it's good to see like, the now the team team's kind of retired from competitive curling, another team with, uh, great hair on the men's side. And that also missing the pants too. So we need something to kind of keep a bit of personality in the curling, right? Cause, uh you know, curls can be a bit boring. So it's nice to have a few teams that have a bit of, a bit of something to spice it up.
0: Yeah. Especially on the men's side and that, and it's going to be sad to see team Mulsrud retire. Um, you know, one of the things I said on Twitter is we need to retire their pants and put them up in the rafters at every curling club in the country, because um, you know, even though they're team Norway, they brought a lot of attention to curling here in the States. Um, just because they were the best personalities that curling had to offer.
1: Yeah, so I'll be sad to see them go, but it's, it's good. You know, it's good to see some new teams kind of come into the field at the start of the quad. So again, it's not. I mean, I, I don't expect big things from this Russian team, but it'll be interesting to see see kind of how they perform at this event.
0: Any insight into why, along with China? The I mean, we're about to talk about the. Chinese team, the Korean team, and the Japanese team. Any insight into why, along with those three countries, um, Russia, you know, they've seen success from their women's team, but so far not much from the men's side?
1: Uh, I mean, to be honest, A, there's less just depth uh, in the women's field, period, right? <laughs> like, the, the basic ratio in any curling club is basically three men to, to one woman, normally, kind of, it's certainly at the adult level. So, mm-hmm. Uh, if there's fewer competitive teams, then it's easier to kind of make a run up the rankings. That's kind of the first obvious bit. Um, I think the other thing that's kind of interesting, and this kind of took me off guard when I got to the got to England, is that the junior level, like we have way more uptake amongst uh, junior women than junior men, which certainly growing up in Canada wasn't the case. Like normally, like in my junior program, we'd have three or four junior boys teams, and we'd always be scraping to kind of put together a junior girls team. Um I think in England and actually in a lot of Europe, for whatever reason, um, more kind of junior girls tend to be drawn towards the game. So it's it's possible for someone in an emerging country who's kind of got good athletic talent who takes up the game at kind of a, a you know in their early teenage years to to get pretty good pretty fast and perhaps. Uh, you know, get that international experience then translates into becoming an elite world team. So I think that's that's kind of part of what's driving it is both kind of lack of depth globally and then perhaps more opportunities in emerging countries uh, on the women's side as opposed to the men's.
0: Okay, up next is the first of the Pacific Asia teams that we will talk about. And this is Team China. Uh, their skip is Zhou At least that's how I've heard... Uh, it pronounced on the uh, World Curling Federation uh, broadcast. I'm completely taking a guess there, but this is Team Zoe. Uh, This is the second world championship that the Skip has played in. I believe he's been an alternate before as well. This is his first world championship as a Skip. Um, He was the third on the team that went three and nine last year. Um, This year, uh, with him as Skip, they finished second at PACCs. They played in the Curling World Cup event that was held in Omaha, where they went three and three. Um, Also on tour, they they qualified. They went to the quarterfinals in Gatineau. Uh, And this year on tour, they have wins over Team Kim, Team Matsumura, Team Schuster, Bruce Mowat, uh, and then they've also beaten some Canadian teams. They beat Gunner, they beat Kirk Myers, and they beat the McRuthers team on tour.
1: Yeah, so I think this is a team to watch out for. Um, China is going to be throwing a load of money into curling over the quad. They've already got their Olympic spot locked up because they're hosting. And uh, it looks like this team's been kind of out on tour, like you said. They've started to post results against elite teams. They haven't quite... Got great results in tournaments yet, but definitely a dangerous team this week that could is kind of fully capable of upsetting any of the teams in the field and indeed already has wins against you know a couple of the favorites in Moet and Schuster. so and Matsumura. so definitely a team that's uh, <clears throat> that's dangerous, I would say, perhaps not a favorite to win, but definitely a team that can knock some teams off and perhaps cause uh, untimely losses to teams looking for playoff spots.
0: And it's interesting because China has a lot of good curlers and they kind of have split them up at the beginning of this quad. Um, so there's two main teams. This team, uh, Skip by, uh, by Zhou. Uh, there's another team, um, Team Zhang, with uh, Zhang Jialiang at uh, Skip. And that team has uh, Ba Shin at third, who has been a part of Olympic team's Olympic men's teams in China before. And then he was also on the mixed doubles team at the Olympics in Pyeongchang. Um, so it's interesting that they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not putting all their eggs in one basket, as you have said several times on this podcast. They're, they're, they're kind of evening up the teams. And I guess it's an iron sharpens iron kind of situation. They've got two to three good teams that they're sending out on tour that they're getting experience and who knows what the final team will look like for team China when they play in Beijing it may be a team that has stayed together for four years it may be where they mix and match based on how they do over four years Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this team does and it'll be interesting to see what the lineups are for the teams out of China next year and the years leading up to the Beijing Olympics
1: Yeah, so I think that this is kind of, you know, to my mind is a good model that for a lot of these emerging countries, rather than trying to do everything with one team, you build some depth and that builds sustained excellence over the long term. So I'm curious to see how they do this week. I think, you know, other teams we've looked at so far, I certainly expect them to A, be capable of pulling off upsets and B, be in that kind of middle of the pack area, like between fifth and 10th. So potentially in the playoffs, but also kind of potentially just missing out, but they're definitely going to be a dangerous team this week.
0: So up next is team Korea. And this team is skipped by Kim Soo-yuk, who we've seen at junior championships before. We've seen him at worlds before. Uh, This is his fourth world championship it's his second as a skip uh as a skip he finished uh 11th in 2016 earlier this year he finished third at PACCS. that means that he had to qualify for through the world qualification event which he won um this year on tour, he finished first at the U.S. Open in Blaine. He qualified in Kirazawa, and his wins this year include wins over Richie Ruinen, Team Matsumura, which is in this event, uh, Team Ma, which was uh, one of the Chinese teams that has been out on tour, and Ted Appleman, who I still think is 100% completely a fake name. <laughs> it's a good curler. Anyway,
1: really uh, good. yeah, yes. he's, I just um, think yeah, it is a good curler.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an assumed name. All right. <laughs> you say so. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: i mean, again, a good team. I think um, we just saw in the women's event, these Asian teams are going to come to play. Uh, they, they finished third in the PACC, they're slightly ahead of China. On order of merit, part of me wonders if it's just basically off the points they earned at the World Qualification event. Um, I'd, I'd probably put China slightly ahead of Korea, but uh, I think like a good a good team with a bit of experience, but not a great result the last time they were at the Worlds, right? So
0: we almost saw a Korean team break through last year, but it was not this team. It was the team that went to. Uh, the Olympics in Pyeongchang almost broke through and won a medal uh, last year, but uh, different team this year. A team that struggled, but will like as you said, they'll 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 come to play in this event. Um, up next, uh, Team Italy, and this was honestly this is one of the feel good stories of the season. We've seen Jill Retornas on tour ever since the Torino Olympics, where he completely outperformed his expectations. You know, we Italy. Not known for curling, they get the Torino Olympics in 2006. They have to kind of throw a team together because they automatically get a team. Um, Joel Retornas, um you know, plays very admirably in that tournament and does better probably than anyone thought he would. He's been around ever since. This year finally breaks through. He wins a medal at Euros. He gets third. Um, this is his third. His I'm sorry. This is his sixth uh, World Championship. Um, best result on tour really is that third place finish that he had at, uh, Euros, um, wins this year over Peter DeCruz, Magnus Ramsfell, and, uh, the team, uh, the Zoe team from China. And, uh, Jonathan, I'm sure you're going to mention, uh, who their coach is and what a difference that can make.
1: Uh, yeah, well, Soren Grant, we've talked about him before. So he's probably one of the top, well, he is one of the top period coaches, Uh, in the world and he's kind of hired by associations to a get countries to the Olympics. And as he's kind of fond of pointing out, he's managed to get every country he's coached in the last five Olympic cycles to the Olympics. So he's there to get Italy to the Olympics in 2022, uh, which means posting good results here. And uh, the third, you know, the third place at the European curling championships, I feel is like a little bit of a, you know, canary in the coal mine, smoke signal, whatever you want to think of it as, like a little bit of a sign that this team is ready to start posting big results on the world stage. So I would say that this is one of the teams I'd pick for the playoffs. Uh, Like everyone else we've kind of talked about so far, I I think will probably be on the outside looking in at the end of the week, but this is probably a potential playoff team, probably not a medalist team yet, but definitely kind of a threat to qualify for the playoff round. Their order of merit is a bit I think misleading, right? Because they kind of keep splitting up renter and, and Masiner is kind of, sometimes they skip apart. Sometimes they're together. Yep. There's, there's a lot of lineup shuffling going on. So I think they're not kind of so obsessed about building up order of merit points. Soren Grant definitely likes to tinker with the lineups, uh, to try to get the best lineup you possibly can, the best performances. And we've kind of, you know, there's been stories in Scottish curling about the effects of that over the years too. But, um, You can't argue with the results, and so I expect Italy to be, you know, um, a playoff threat for sure.
0: So it's a team that we haven't really seen in North America, other than curling night in America at the beginning of the season. Do you think that that's something that we might see change as we get closer to as we as we get later in the quad? Do you think that they'll start sending this team to North America more to get them ready for? You know those those world championships that matter for Olympic points and even for hopefully qualifying for the Olympics and competing in them.
1: I, I'm not sure. I think it's going to probably depend upon their funding situation. their Their order of merit ranking, also to be kind of blunt, is not high enough to really kind of threaten to qualify for a slam, right? they're they're forty six spot. Um, that's nowhere near slam kind of eligible, right? You got to really be, you know, top 14 or above. So they've got some work to do to kind of really climb the rankings. Uh, Some countries put a lot of money and value into sending teams to Canada to basically live there for the year and kind of hit all the spiels there and rack up the points. But order of merit points aren't the only way that you qualify for the Olympics. And in fact, they're irrelevant for Olympic qualification. It's really posting results in the WCF events that matter. So it could be, I mean, that this is kind of, I don't know what their strategy is going to be, um, but they've been able to kind of post good results without really a, a North American heavy tour s- so far. So that may not be where their focus is. Uh,
0: last, no, last note on Team Italy, if you don't follow Joel Retornez on Instagram, I highly recommend it. He likes to vacation in... Uh, very cool places, uh, which leads to some great Instagram posts. I I, I highly recommend the follow. Uh, up next, a team we like to root for because it's kind of cool that the Netherlands is in the World Championship. It's Team Netherlands, uh, again, skipped by Jaap van Dorp. A little bit different than what we saw last year in Vegas because Jaap now actually throws third. Uh, and throwing last stones is Vutur Goskins. Uh, there for Team Netherlands. Uh, this is Yops' third World Championship. His best finish is only tenth. Um, earlier this year, he finished eighth at Europeans, which meant that he had to qualify through the World Qualification event in the in New Zealand, where he beat England out for the last spot in Worlds uh so far this year on tour finished first at Dumfries which is kind of a tier 2 european event you know, it's uh you know you're not going to see slam teams there um but yap was there he also uh made the quarterfinals at the tier 2 uh tour challenge event that was a part of the GSOC uh elsewhere in europe elsewhere in europe uh, made the semifinals at Champery and made the quarters at Basel. Uh, this year, his best wins are over Willie Lyburn, Mark Pfister, and Tomas Olsrud.
1: Yeah, so here's where I think order of merit is deceptive. Uh, so, and I, I root for the Van Dorp team, but I think that their order of merit's more a function of um, being able to go to Canada and rack up a lot of points in Good spills in Canada, and there's no question that you still have to be kind of good to do that. But um, I'm not sure if I rank them ahead of Renternaz or China in terms of kind of the stronger team in the field, if that makes sense. Uh, So... Uh, even though they're, they're kind of like the seventh ranked team overall coming into this spiel in terms of order of merit points, I'd actually put them a little bit lower. And so probably just on the outside looking in when it comes to kind of questions of playoff qualification.
0: All right. Up next, uh, Team Japan. And this team is skipped by Yuta Matsumura. This is a new team on the world stage and it's kind of similar to what we saw on the women's side where we saw the, the the team representing Japan finally getting its chance to represent Japan at Worlds. It's the same way for this team. Uh, coming into this year, they had finished second at three of the last four Japanese championships. So they were right on the doorstep. Uh, but this year they finally won. Uh, this team... Started off as Team Abe, and their former skip is Shinya Abe, who is their lead. Uh, this year, they picked up uh, Tetsuro Shimizu at third, and he was actually on um, uh, Yusuke Morizumi's team, the team that we saw uh, in GSOC events at the Olympics. You know, the top team in Japan, they broke up right before the beginning of the year. Part of the reason for that is Tetsuro Shimizu moved over to this team. So you have Yuta Matsumura now skipping and throwing fourth. You have Shinya Abe, the vice skip. He's actually the lead. And then Tetsuro Shimizu, who we've seen at Olympics and world championships before, he's throwing third stones for this team. Um, for Tetsuro Shimizu, this is his seventh world championships, and it's the first for pretty much everyone else, including Yuta Matsumura, the skip. Um, this team won the Pacific Asia Championship uh, earlier this year. Um, other events on tour, they went 2-2 two and two at the Ed Wernick Classic in Arizona. They finished second in Karazawa. They represented Japan at the uh, Curling World Cup event in Omaha, where they went 2-4. and four. They qualified for the semifinal in Kamloops, and they won the Abbotsford Spiel and the Oakville Spiel. Uh, back in the fall. Uh, Big wins this year for this team. They've beaten Peter DeCruz. They've beaten Matt Dunstone. They've beaten Tomas Olsrud, Yannick Schwaller, and they've beaten John Schuster, who is also in this field.
1: Yeah, so I think they're they're a serious podium threat. Uh, I I would say there's a big jump between all the teams we talked about uh, up until now and the other teams we're going to talk about from here on out, right? So they're 21st in the order of merit. Uh, so they're kind of just on the cusp of that top twenty area. They've, you know, they haven't yet posted big grand slam of curling type wins events, but they've won, you know, good what I consider tier two cash spiels, Right, so posting results at Kamloops, Abbotsford, Oakville; those are all, all good spiels. and uh, they've won against, you know, some of the other kind of perennial medal favorites, uh, including Schwaller, de Cruz, Schuster. Uh, this year. So they're definitely a metal threat, I'd say. And I think that from here on up, is kind of a pretty big jump. Like you said, this field's pretty top heavy in the top, I'd say begins here.
0: I think this is surprisingly a good men's team for Japan to send to worlds. You would think that there would be a, a big step down um, after what we've expected from this team, from Yasuke Morizumi, who is now uh, coaching. In fact, we saw him coaching at the at the women's worlds, you would think, okay, he's gone. This will be a step down. I think we're going to get the same out of this Team Japan as we have expected from that team in the past. Up next is Team USA, and it's the defending Olympic gold medal champion, uh, skipped by John Schuster. A different third this year, obviously, as Chris Plies steps in for Tyler George. This is Schusti's eighth world championship. His best finish came in 2016 when he won bronze. Earlier this year, they went six and one and won the curling world cup event in Omaha. They are six and four in GSOC events, including a quarterfinal uh, qualification at the Tour Challenge and at the Masters. They. Finished third in Kirazawa. they qualified and went to the quarters at the Shorty Jenkins in Ontario. Uh, big wins for them this year include wins over Matsumura, Bruce Mowat, Nicholas Adine, uh, Chown, uh, Team Carruthers, Gushu, and Van Dorp. So he's beaten these teams this year. It's a I don't know. It's a different US. It's a different US team than we're used to. Obviously, with the change at third you know it, it it can be good and bad i think this team is still kind of figuring itself out with the new lineup it is good to have someone in there who you know is is going to bring that hunger who isn't who hasn't had the success that this team saw at the olympics um, they've said before that they're you know they came into this squad with new goals in addition to just getting to the olympics their goals are to finish in the top 5 um in order of merit and to win a Worlds, which they haven't done yet. You know, their best finish is bronze. So this team still has goals. It has a new player, but they're still kind of figuring themselves out. I think.
1: Yeah. And I think actually, if you look at their results this year, I'm pretty sure it's actually a better season in some sense than, um, previous years for things like slams for, uh, like field results, like they've been solid, but I think thirteenth is pretty high for them. If kind of in terms of their historical rankings, if I'm if I'm correct here, right? Like their highest ranking was probably right after the Olympics. But I'm trying to go to their their page here, but um, you know, like definitely two quarterfinals and slams is nothing to sleep, sneeze at. Uh, top thirteen rankings pretty good for the Schuster team too. And in terms of their kind of quality wins, uh, you know, win over Gushu is nothing to sneeze at, went over to Cruz too. Uh, I think you're right. Like their goals here have shifted. Uh, I think A, they said they wanted to win a slam and they've, they've got a winning record at the grand slam of curling this year, which I think is probably the first time that's the case for them. And uh, they want to win a world championship. And so far they've, they've been kind of medal contenders, kind of semifinals the last couple of times they've gone and kind of won in 2016, the bronze medal but I'm sure to kind of take the next step and and get to the gold medal game and win a gold medal. So that's probably, they're, they're probably entering this. It's one of the hungrier teams, I'd say, and certainly capable of kind of making a, uh, a gold medal run as we saw last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, last year they were the best team in the world for four days. And it turns out that they picked the exact four days that they needed to be the best team in the world. Um, this year they've been really good. Um, just from watching them a lot I think that the only issue they've had is consistency but I mean it's been the I mean it's been the same thing with this this team has a very high ceiling it's just that among the elite teams their floor might be a little bit lower than some of the other elite teams but their ceiling is just as high as everyone else it's just finding that consistency
1: yeah and and to climb from like that last step is a hard step right? It's like, uh, how old is Schuster now? Like, what's his age? Is he 35 or what is he? 36, right? So like, keep in mind, Kevin Cooley wasn't, you know, was just kind of, he was basically until his, his mid-30s unable to get out of Alberta as a skip, right? And it's really only in the last decade that he's kind of become mm-hmm. the, the Cooley force that he is. That this team is fully capable of kind of climbing, I think, into that top five spot and becoming in elite team. And it's, you know, could have, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen over this quad, but that last little bit of a climb can take years. Like Brad Gushu, who, you know, arguably is the lot was kind of the skip of the, one of the more, one of the two or three most dominant teams the last couple of years before that was kind of a bit Shusty esque in the sense that he was kind of a guy who was always there, but couldn't quite kind of crack the top, the top tier. And, uh, you know, I think the, the Schuster team's kind of the, the question for them this quad is can they really become a consistent top five team, right? Can they kind of climb those last eight spots in the order of merit, become a team that's a medal threat every year at Worlds, a threat to win every slam they enter? And they're, they're, they're not that far off, but that last step is still a very big step to take. The thing that's interesting is that the, the one thing he has is the one thing all four teams ahead of him in this list. Uh, would kill to have, and none of them do have, which is the Olympic gold medal. And I'm sure I'm sure all of them would trade all. The, I'm sure Kevin Cooey would take all his winnings and trade it for one, <laughs> for Chiefsy's gold medal. And I think Chiefsy, there's no way he would trade his gold medal for everything Cooey's accomplished in his career.
0: He's proven to everyone outside of curling that he's a good curler, right? Like the people in the U.S. that would watch every four years and see him fail and make all of the memes and jokes, you know, those people can shut up forever now. And now it's about um, kind of planning the U.S.'s flag as being in the same discussion as like Canada and Scotland and Sweden, right?
1: Yeah. I think that's the next step. Can he, can he kind of crack that?
0: Can he, can he take that last step and become one of the game's monsters, so to speak? Yep. Uh, so the next team is Team Switzerland, and they are skipped by Peter de Cruz. Uh, new team this year. They added uh, Sven Mihel uh, to play third. So now you've got Peter de Cruz skipping out of the second spot. Uh, Sven playing third, and Benoit Schwartz at fourth. So this is de Cruz's third Worlds. He has two bronze medals to his name. Uh, Switzerland. So this team obviously was put together with the goal of winning a gold medal, not at a world's, but at the Olympics, the last gold at the world's level for Switzerland came in 1992 with Marcus Egler. So a good ske- a good step that this team can make is by winning the first gold in a couple of decades for, for Switzerland. Um, this team Surprisingly struggled at Europeans and finished six. They went five and four. Um, uh, On the GSOC level, they are 11 and eight this year. They went three and three in the curling world cup event that they participated in. Uh, Elsewhere on tour made the semifinals at the tour challenge. Then they have wins over Kui. Jacobs, Schuster, McRuthers, Edine, Retornaz, Van Dorp, and Mawet. So they at least they at least have the experience of getting wins over all this all these teams.
1: Yeah, they they have that experience. They're uh, the thing I find funny about them is they talk in English because half the team speaks Swiss German, the other half speaks French, and the language they share is English. So that's kind of the the one weird kind of quirk about this team, which I, I find kind of charming. Um, I like they're streaky, right? This year has been very, very streaky, right? Like they've, they've posted really great results at slams then turned around the next week and done nothing at the European Curling Championships or so disappointing by their standards. Um, I mean, I think Ben Schwartz is the male version of Alina Pats. If you need someone to cover the pin, Benoit Schwartz is going to do it. He's just like, he's got ice in his veins. If, you, if he's got to draw past two stones, biting button to get to the pin, he's going to do it every time. So that's always a, a weapon in your arsenal if, if you have your skip able to do that. So this team's is a kind of a definite metal threat, but they've, they've definitely had this up and down year. Uh, I mean, I guess the kind of slightly tweaked lineup again, it's maybe a bit like the Schuster team where kind of new team kind of figuring things out still, but definitely, you know, one of the favorites to win,
0: win it all, uh, up next perennially the best curler in the world, but not necessarily the best curler in the world this year. It's team Sweden with Nicholas Adin. Uh, this is his ninth Worlds, and he has three golds, including the gold last year, beating Brad Gushu in the final. This year, they finished second at Euros. Um, on tour, they went 13-7 and seven in Curling World Cup events, including finishing second in Yan Chopping and second in Omaha. On the Grand Slam Tour, they actually have a losing record. It's 12-14, and although that includes an abysmal showing at the Elite 10, which one, was early in the year, and two, is match play. So, really a winning record at the GSOC if you count games that aren't match play, I believe. Um, They finished... Uh, In the semifinals at the Canadian Open, they made the quarters at the National and they made the semis at the Masters. So when it matters, they can get wins. Uh, They also won in Basel in Europe. So one of the best teams in the world, maybe not necessarily the most consistent year by their standards, but my gosh, they still have to be one of the favorites, right? Yeah, I
1: mean, they're dangerous. Like every every week they're going to have
0: a shot. I think...
1: You know, you talk about motivation. In in some weird ways, I think, you know, he's already won, this team's already won three World Curling Championships. Um, if anyone's not hungry uh, for this event, it's probably a Dean. Like, I, I still wouldn't count him out, but um, like, I feel like this team's just basically lying in wait. They're basically waiting for revenge in 2022. They've, they've won everything else they have to win, so... Um, they're probably you know, their results this year speak to me like a team that doesn't really know what to do right now at this stage of the cycle. They haven't changed their lineup, they're still kind of fifth in the world, so they're not like falling off a map or anything. But th- perhaps that little bit of hunger you need to kind of consistently dominate isn't there. And they're just waiting for their their chance to kind of right the wrong of not winning the gold medal last year. So <clears throat> Four capable of winning, but perhaps a little less hungry than some of the other teams that, that are kind of in this top four. And so perhaps I'd, I might discount them a bit this year. And I'll probably live I'll probably to regret those words, but to my mind of the four we're looking at as a, kind of the four kind of serious medal threats, uh, I'd say they're the least likely to win.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing with this team. As you said, the hunger may not be there just yet because really the only thing he hasn't done is win a gold at the Olympics, which is still three years from now. He can show up and make the playoffs at this event, and then become turn into Nicholas Adine on Saturday and Sunday and win.
1: Yeah, fully. So yeah,
0: yeah even though it's not the team Adine that we're used to. There's no way he's going to miss the playoffs, and if he gets into the playoffs at the worlds, I mean, watch out.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they're, they're definitely dangerous, but I don't think they're hungry enough. If that makes
0: sense, I, I don't know. I think I think he might be able to flip the switch if they. I mean, he the hunger may not be there in the round robin, but as we've seen on the women's side. You can go six and six and make the playoffs, and then a six and six Nicholas Adin team making the playoffs at Worlds is still Nicholas freaking Adin in the playoffs at Worlds.
1: Yeah, for sure, they're they're not missing the playoffs. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, I I do think that when it comes down to it, uh, the Cruz and the other two teams we're going to talk about in a second, they've got they've got reasons to win, and they're they're fully they're as dangerous as Adin. And I think that a bit of that motivation. Carries you over the line in these big games. I think that that's that's kind of that's a little bit that perhaps Team Dean's missing this year.
0: Okay. Well, the the next team is Team Scotland, skipped by Bruce Mowat. This is their second World Championship. Their first was last year, where they won bronze. Uh, this season, they won gold at Euros, where they beat Team Adine. They went seven and five in the two world, and uh, I'm sorry, in the two curling World Cup events that they were in. Uh, GSOC, pretty good record, uh, fourteen and seven in GSOC events, including quarterfinals at the Canadian Open, a second at the National, where they actually lost to their countrymen, uh, led by Ross Patterson, and a semifinal finish at the Masters. Wins this year include wins over. Basically everyone in the world, including Team Edine, Team Kui, Gushu, DeCruz, and Schuster. So they've they've beaten everyone and they are, you know, they're no longer the dark horse. They're now one of the favorites. So now it's a question of how do you how do you respond to being one of the favorites?
1: Yeah, I think that last year perhaps the worlds they kind of caught a few people napping. Uh that's not the case anymore right they've, they've they're kind of showing up at Grand Slams in and kind of doing well making finals um, their European championship win over a Dean was you know pretty epic um, they've they've kind of established themselves as one of the top teams in the world and so they're a definite medal threat I think short of the Olympics the world the kind of gold medal in the world curling championships is the the one big thing they haven't added to their trophy case yet. So I think they're, they're kind of hungry and dangerous is, is kind of, and skilled enough to pull it off. So I think they're kind of give them a slight edge over a Dean here for that.
0: All right. And then finally team Canada led by Kevin Cooey, who just won the A um, little bit of a different team than we're used to. Ben Hebert is still there, but they've added B.J. Newfeld at third, and Colton Flash at second. Um, four briars now for Cooey, and as it was noted, and it was noted by somebody, uh, he's had a different, different lineup for all four. Uh, so this is his fourth trip to Worlds. He is a two-time gold medalist, just finished fourth at the Olympics. This year, he opened up with a win at the Curling World Cup in Suzhou. He's also finished second at the Canada Cup. He's eighteen and ten in slams. Finished second at the national. And this year, he is three and two against Bruce Mowat, two and zero against Nicholas Adine, and two and two against Peter de Cruz. I believe I I don't remember when I made this spreadsheet, but I think that I discounted the Elite 10 in that because I think I only included traditional curling games and not match play. Has
1: he played Schuster since the Olympics? I don't think so. Uh, That'll be an interesting matchup. (laughs) Yeah, it will. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I I think I think is on a revenge tour this year and this quad. I think that's kind of obvious, right? Like he's He's came out of the gates on fire, unfinished business. Can't let the fact that he didn't make the podium at the Olympics kind of be the final statement on his resume. And um, the way they rolled through the briar was just downright scary, right? And the, the number of times he threw a game winner with less than 20 seconds um, was scary, too. I think he, like, I think he doesn't care that much about the grand slams. I think, I mean, it's, he, he'll still go and post good results, but to my, to my mind, he's kind of motivated by the kind of season of champion events, you know, the Briars, the, the kind of world championships. And that's kind of what he's, he's gunning for. So they're the first rank they're the top ranked team in the field. And I think that on top of that, there's a bit of that fire in Cooley this year that, um, uh, I think makes him very dangerous in a way that I feel like Adin's perhaps sleeping until Beijing. Kui seems to be kind of on a mission this year to to right the wrongs to shut up all the kind of critics on Twitter. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Kui Schuster matchup because I think that'll be pretty epic. Um, Doesn't mean they're going to win for sure because like his record against you know he's like and him are three and two. Uh, two and zero against the Dean, which is interesting, and then two and two against the Crew. So certainly, I think any of those teams is is kind of capable of upsetting Cui. I wouldn't even say it's an upset; capable of winning in the medal round. So, but I, I would definitely put Cui down as the favorite to win this thing.
0: Will it matter? Because we've seen time clocks be an issue with this team, whether it be at the Canada Cup, where Obviously, timing was by end, so that was completely different, but we saw that be an issue with him uh, at the Canada Cup. And then we saw at the Briar, him basically throwing buzzer beaters against half the teams that he played against will be an issue that at this event, he only gets one timeout instead of two.
1: Uh, maybe, I mean, I think it, the, they definitely like to burn their clock, right? So <laughs> I, I fully expect many more last second buzzer beaters from Cooley, but it seems like this team is so used to it. They, they have a process in place, right? It's completely clear that Ben Hebert's job is to watch that clock like a hawk. And, um, they know exactly how much time they're allowed to have to make a decision, right? I mean, if you go look at that Brier, Clip. It's not that he, to me, what's what's kind of scary impressive about it. It's not that he throws a touch shot to win the briar with like whatever was left, like thirteen seconds or something. It's that he's in the hack as the clock's ticking down, and he changes the weight and the broom with like less than twenty <laughs> seconds left. He, he changes his shot slightly, right. And that's you know, and then just kind of nails it. So he's he's super comfortable, obviously, kind of playing under those conditions. In some ways, maybe it helps him because he doesn't overthink it. But um, outside of the Canada Cup, I can't recall them losing a game based on running out of clock. And I think the big difference there was the the different timing rules, right? They weren't used to that; didn't really have a system for dealing with it. So maybe that minute and a half kind of matters a bit, but. Um, you know, I think they will be kind of savvy enough to kind of manage that issue. I don't think I, I'd be stunned if
0: they lost the game off clock management. So Jonathan, for the women's, we picked a winner and a team to watch and I let you go first. So I'm going to go ahead and go first for, for the men's side, if you don't mind. Sure. Go for it. All right. For my winner, uh, shocker, I'm going to take Kevin Cooey um, because he's playing in his home province uh, you look at the last four world championships played in Canada and they've had, they've reached the poet. Canada has reached the podium every time in two to, including two golds from Brad Gushu in Edmonton and Jeff Stoughton in uh, Regina. So I'm going to take Kevin Cooey to win it all in Alberta. And for my team to watch, I am taking Joel Retornas and Italy. I think they're going to make the playoffs and, You know, if they can pull an upset, they might be able to make the semis.
1: All right. I think I'm going with Cooey, too.
0: (laughs) See, I at least, (laughs) 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 when we did the women's... (laughs) I at least played devil's advocate and picked someone else. Wow! All right, you want me to make play devil's advocate for somebody else?
1: All right, I, you know, I, I I'll mean, say I mean, this:
0: you don't have to if you want to be lame. You All can right. pick. You can pick well, Kevin Cooey. I mean, if you're asking me who I think's going to win, it's Kevin Cooey. Do I think <laughs>
1: it's as dominant a pick as say Hasselborg going into the women's? Because uh, we both agreed there that she was probably the likely favorite. Uh, no. Uh, I think the top four, like the Cruz, Adeen, Muett, Kui, are kind of like like one of those four is going to be the gold medalist come Sunday. I guarantee that. Anyone other than that, I'll be surprised. Um, and I know that I'm discounting John Schuster there by doing that. I'd go in terms of team to watch. I say we got to give a shout out to Japan to the Matsumuro team. I think their their rankings are good. I don't think they're that well known, really. I think they're like in terms of for the. Not even for the casual curling fan, for the curling fan, curling fan. I think they'll be surprised to see this Japanese team kind of do as well as they do. I could certainly see them making semifinals uh, and kind of perhaps upsetting one of the big four along the way. But I do think it's going to come out of what I'm calling the big four. That One of those big four teams is going to win. I just think Kui is so on fire coming out of the briar. And... I really do think he's kind of a man on a mission to prove something, this quad, uh, that like if you've got an angry Kevin Cooley, watch out. So that's kind of why I'm
0: picking him to win it all. All right. So, you know, I'm just rooting for someone different, you know? Um Mowat is technically someone different although Scotland's won a lot of these things uh, but still it it, w- it would be interesting for a country that hasn't won to actually win this thing and I mean you look at the countries that are there the best um the best candidates are probably I mean among countries that haven't won it, the, bet, the best candidates, honestly, are probably two PACC teams in Japan and China. Um, and honestly, it would just be cool if one of them medaled so that the uh, the PACC region can can claim a medal on the men's side. So, that, that I mean, I guess that's what I'm rooting for, is for the Pacific Asia region to get a medal at this tournament, just so that something different happens. Um, yeah, I think that'd be cool to see happen too. I haven't seen officially what coverage is going to be like in the U S we had extensive coverage on Olympic channel and NBC sports network here in America for the women. So I assume the same thing is going to happen for the men's. It was kind of weird. Olympic channel took very extended commercial breaks between ends. And even when teams called timeout to the point that, by the end of the game Olympic channels feed was more than half an end behind. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that keeps happening. Like I was, I was so far behind, like even more so than just regular watch. Oh, I'm watching the event online, like lag, like I was half, I was more than half an end behind sometimes by the end of some of those games. So that was weird to see, but I'm sure that it'll, you know, as long as it means getting extensive live coverage here in the States, um, I can live with it.
1: Yeah, I think... So I th- like, to me, what's great about kind of global curling is the WCF World Curling TV feed is fantastic. Um, the qual- the, the quality is kind of improved just in terms of the picture quality and production quality over the last few years. And the commentators are great. Uh, it's not... <clears throat> which I kind of like, it's actually not as flashy as say TSN. So it doesn't have like the, you know, the great bump, bump music and kind of all the multiple reporters at ice level. But uh, if you're having trouble kind of accessing it through in the U S to your cable provider, I would recommend just getting a VPN and uh, you can just Google how to do that online and then just pulling the WCF feed. Cause for the women's worlds, they were doing two, Games uh, per each draw. So you could kind of bounce back and forth if one game was boring. Uh, they've gotten a bit better at picking up other games if a game's over early. They didn't used to do that before. So the, the kind of quality of production's gone up. And uh, the, the viewing numbers are like really high. So for the women's, they're getting 5,000 viewers uh, per game per stream. So basically, averaging about 10,000 viewers. Um, just from all around the world, uh, just through the live stream, which is kind of fantastic to see. Even a few years ago, it'd be less than a 1,000 per game. So it's it's kind of good to see the the interest in curling um, through the live streaming kind of pick up. And it's, it's kind of cool to see all the comments because it's like all different languages. The game's definitely kind of getting a global reach now. A lot of people kind of commenting in Asian languages, a lot of Korean and Japanese kind of comments in the comment box. So it's good to see... Um, kind of the the WCF feed getting such a good global reach.
0: I will be interested to see if the WCF uh, viewing numbers are higher than they were for the women's uh, championship, because I know women's curling is bigger in the Pacific Asia region. So there's more demand for online curling where they're maybe not geo blocked. Whereas in Canada and the U.S., you're geo-blocked from the U.S. and Canadian games on on YouTube. So obviously, you're going to watch on TSN. You're going to watch on Olympic Channel. You're not necessarily going to watch the YouTube feed. Whereas um, in the Pacific Asia regions, maybe there's more hunger for or more demand for women's curling. So I'll be interested to see if the numbers, the YouTube viewership numbers, are the same for the men's as they were for the women's. Um, but yeah, it was pretty funny when I was watching two games at once, uh, watching the YouTube feed for the WCF game that wasn't geo-blocked and then watching the U.S. game on Olympic Channel. Uh, I would see the result of the, you know, when they did the the updates at the end of the ends, like I would see Jamie Sinclair's last shot in the end I was watching while I was watching Second Stones on Olympic Channel. <laughs> so, so, there,
1: so Kevin Martin is the commentator on the Olympic Channel. Is that how it works there or?
0: Yeah, it's uh, uh, Jason Knapp and Kevin Martin doing play-by-play on Olympic Channel and NBCSN, and they're basically pulling they're pulling the uh, WCF feed, broadcasting it on Olympic Channel and uh, NBC Sports Network, and then Knapp and Martin, whether they're together or in separate rooms somewhere in North America, are doing commentary over the WCF feed.
1: I mean that's that's all right. I think that's a, it's good progress, yeah. right? That's definitely a lot better than the curl the, the, the curling coverage in the US when I left in 2013 was non-existent, right? I remember they they uh, they managed to sneak on the finals of the US championship. I think it, when we were in Dallas yeah. for that spiel, and they, they kind of cut away at the end <laughs> before the extra end yeah. or whatever. So yeah, it, they it, cut away.
0: I think they cut away to a hockey game during the extra. End. Yeah,
1: so it's just like oh, like right, so it's good to see <laughs> and getting someone like Kevin Martin to be the commentator is great, right? So it's it's yeah. good to see that kind of growth there and that it's possible to actually watch curling on US TV. When I was in the US USA Curling Board, we basically. That was our biggest grumble and our biggest problem is how do we get curling on TV? So it's that that hurdle's finally been crossed, and so you know the fact you can watch all of the worlds now
0: that's that's huge yeah. progress. That wasn't even the case six years ago, right? This is the first time that I remember, even last year, every world's game was available live in the states. If you got Olympic Channel and NBCSN, you could watch every uh, U.S. game live which I think this is the first time that 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 has happened uh unless it last year I think there may have been like one game that they didn't show live but this year every single game was live which is huge for curling in the U.S.
1: yeah and that's great to see so so that that'll be good and I think you know Schusty's gonna have a a good playoff run in him for sure which will I think also drive the, the attention up there too um I think that's all kind of good to see the sustained growth out of the, the kind of Schuster Olympic medal in the U S right. That, that, that definitely has to play into the fact that, uh, and you know, Olympic jet network and NBC sports are, are picking this up. So that's all
0: good to see too. All right. Yep. So looking forward to see, um, what the schedule is for Olympic channel and NBC sports network here in the States. Uh, thank you for listening um, if you need to get a hold of us, you can email us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com. We're also, you can find us on SoundCloud and Facebook and Instagram at Uh You can also find us on Twitter. We are Curling Podcast on Twitter. Please hit us up uh, there. We love to hear from you. Um, please remember to. Uh, subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and tune in. Those help us get found by other curling fans. Um, and the main thing for us is word of mouth. If you liked our podcast, please share it with your friends. Um, that's the biggest compliment that we can receive. So thank you for listening. Uh, we have a few things in the works that... I think you'll enjoy, and we look forward to bringing those to you here in the new f- near future. Uh, thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon.